Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Morning, everybody. If I have not met you yet, uh, my name is Mark. If this is your first Sunday here, welcome. Great to have you here. Joe Ryer was originally scheduled to speak this morning on the book of Mark, but Joe is really sick. His family had the flu all week. So we're going to take a little step out of the the, uh, book of Mark this morning, and then hopefully Joe will be back next week to pick it up. So let's let's pray for Joe and his family. You know, it just occurred to me, this is Super Bowl Sunday, isn't it? I wonder if Joe just told me he was, <laughs> he's having some great big Super Bowl party. Okay, well let's pray. Lord, we uh, pray that you would please heal Joe and his whole family, Lord. Please have mercy on them. Please let them feel better quickly. And please heal everyone in our church, Lord, who is sick, suffering. Please have mercy on us. And we thank you that you are such a merciful kind God. And Lord, we just pray that You would uh, open up Your Word to us this morning. Help me, please. Pour out Your Spirit upon us and open up Your Word and teach us and build us up, Lord, for Your glory. And we ask that You would do this all over this area, Lord. That You would bless every church that is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that You would save people all over this region, Lord, and bring Your kingdom to this region and glorify Your name this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. This morning I'd like to talk about how to overcome the lies of the enemy. How to overcome the lies of the enemy. Now we have a real enemy, Satan. Our focus is not going to be so much on Satan. I I always want my focus of my messages to be on Jesus Christ and all He has done for us. But we do have a real enemy. And he is not some guy in red tights with a pitchfork or some fictional character like Darth Vader, for those of you who remember him. Satan is a real being. He is a spirit. He is a fallen angel. He is, however, nowhere equal to God. He is a created being. God created all the angels. So, the highest angels in heaven are nowhere equal to God. They are creatures. Satan is a creature. Yet he, and, and compared to God, Satan is less than a speck. Yet he is uh, very evil and he does have power. If, if you wanted to, to equate him with something, you might say, okay, Satan is the evil opposite of Michael the archangel. They are both creatures, nowhere equal to God, 
But we need to remember he is, he is a fallen angel. He has a certain amount of power that God has given him. He's a real being who wants to destroy us if possible. And he is a liar and a deceiver. And that's why I want to talk about how to overcome his lies this morning. So Jesus, in John 8, Jesus was speaking to some Jews and he said to them, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. John 8.44 So Satan has deceived millions from believing in Jesus Christ. I was deceived at one time. He had blinded my eyes. My own sin had blinded my eyes. Satan deceived me as well. But Jesus, when He opens our eyes, when Jesus saves us, when Jesus calls us and grants us the grace to turn from our sins and turn to Him in faith and call upon Him to be our Lord, He saves us. He gives us eternal life. Yet, even though we are freed now from the power of sin, even though we are no longer slaves of Satan, no longer slaves of sin, Satan still desires to deceive us and he wants nothing more than for us to believe his lies, to harm us and undermine our faith, to keep us from enjoying Jesus Christ. To keep us, if he can, by lying, he wants to keep us from having victory in Jesus Christ. And God has warned us about this in the Bible. And so he says, don't believe the lies of Satan. There, now, there are several areas, three areas, big areas. And there's many areas, but I'm gonna, we're going to look at three this morning that Satan lies to us about. He lies to us about God. He lies to us about sin. And he lies to us about God's... Or he lies to us about us. He lies about God, about sin, and about us. So first, let's look at some lies Satan wants us to believe about God. Lie number one. God doesn't love you. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever had that thought come into your mind? God, how could, how could God love me and let me go through this? Sometimes when we're going through hard times, when we're going through afflictions of various kinds, Satan can put the lie in our brain. If God were really loving, He wouldn't let you go through this. He lies to us. When we're in pain, and we may not feel God's love. But God tells us in His Word that He loves us. So every time we're tempted, we have a choice. Are we going to believe the lies of the enemy? And sometimes we don't even recognize them because they come as our own thoughts. Or are we going to believe God's Word? That's, that's the big question. And God says in His Word in Romans 5.8, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us 
so much that He died for us even while we were still sinners. Even before we cared about God. Even before we had any interest in God. Jesus died for us. And this says God shows His love. Another word for shows could be demonstrates. God proves. God demonstrates His love for us. And then Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now like I said, we don't always feel God's love for us. We have to remember something. I heard this once and this has helped me so many times in my life. Our feelings are true feelings. When we feel something, it's real. We're feeling it. But our feelings are not necessarily the truth. Our feelings are true feelings, but they're not necessarily the truth. So we may feel like God doesn't love us, but that's not the truth. God's Word is the truth. He has shown His love. So don't believe Satan's lie that God doesn't love you. Nothing can separate you from His love in Christ Jesus. Lie number two about God. God will not be faithful to you. He won't keep His promises. Satan will tell us, God isn't going to meet your needs. God's not going to work in your life. Where's the money going to come from? Look at your child who's in rebellion. God isn't going to save them. He lies to us. God isn't going to keep His promises. Satan wants us to focus on our circumstances rather than God's Word. He wants us to take our eyes off God and look at our circumstances. And he'll say, if God were faithful, how could this be happening? And we need to remember that God is a faithful God. So Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. You know, when God makes a promise, He's not going to change His mind. When God makes a promise, and His Word is filled with promises. When God makes a promise, He's not going to change His mind and say, well, I know I said I was going to provide for you, but I changed my mind. God isn't going to change His mind. God isn't going to forget to keep His Word. He's not going to say when we get to heaven, oh, I forgot to do that in your life. No, God will never forget to do anything He has promised. He is a faithful God. And so we need to remember that this He has promised to do these things and He's promised to keep His children to keep us to the end. And so 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9 says, who will sustain you to the end, and it's talking about the Lord, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. 
by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So God will be faithful to sustain you and me until the end of our lives. He will keep us. He will hold us. He will work in our lives. He will never stop working in our lives. Because He is faithful. We are not always faithful, but God is always faithful. So don't believe Satan's lie that God will not be faithful. Now, the third lie that he tells us about God, and it's, it's kind of related to the other ones, God is not going to answer your prayers. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever thought that? Boy, I've been praying for this for years. It just seems like God's never going to answer this. I know I am tempted to think that. I'm tempted. God is not going to answer my prayers. Sometimes I can be tempted to think, what I am asking God is too difficult. Lord says in His Word, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. You know, we, we can be tempted to think that uh, Satan will remind us of things we prayed for that didn't happen. He points out people we've prayed for to be saved for years who are not yet saved. God's not going to answer your prayers. Don't bother praying for this. And yet, I love James 5, 16-18. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. James 5, 16-18. I, I often try to remind myself of this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. But when, when I pray, I don't usually feel like my prayers have great power. I don't know, maybe some of you do. But when I pray, lots of the times it feels like my prayers get about three feet off the ground and then come back down again. Or maybe they bounce off my ceiling and come back down. I don't feel powerful. So I have to remind myself, my feelings are not the truth. This is God's truth. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then James illustrates that by saying, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. He says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. See, we could read the Bible about Elijah when we read what it says about him. We could think, here is a superhero of the Old Testament. I mean, he, this, this guy is like one of the Incredibles of the Old Testament. And yet God says, no, he was a man with a nature like ours. He was a, just a normal human being just like you and me. And he prayed and, it, and God answered his prayer because the prayer of the righteous is powerful as it is working. And so God wants us to remember when Satan lies to us, and says, God isn't going to answer your prayers. We need to remind ourselves, Lord, You said my prayer is powerful. And so I'm just asking this. I thank You that nothing is too hard for You to do. I thank You that no one is too hard for You to save. I thank You that no situation is impossible for You to change. And just keep praying. 
Because God has promised that. And so Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks. Are you in that everyone? For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus, Jesus is saying, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't stop. Keep asking. If you've asked the Lord for something for a hundred times, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because He says everyone who keeps seeking and asking and knocking, they're going to get answers. He says don't give up. He says look, look at human dads. Human fathers. We're, we're, we're all sinners, but we... For the, you know, for the most part, fathers love to bless their children. When my kids were little, I would, I would give them anything I could. I love to give good gifts to my children. Jesus said, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, you're not going to go in the kitchen. Just, just a minute. I'll be right back with that bread. And you bring him a rock. Here you go. Jesus said, you wouldn't do that. And He says, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Many times when I pray, I try to remind myself of this and, and I'll say, Father, I'm just asking for this for my children. This would be a good thing to give them. Or I'm just praying this for my friend. It would be a good thing to heal him. Lord, health is a good thing. So, Father, Jesus said you give good things to your children. Lord, it would be a good thing for you to provide for this person in this way. And so I try to remind myself of that. I don't always remember, but I try to remind myself. And I've got to keep reminding myself. I've got to keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't give up because our God is a faithful God and He answers prayers. Now, switch to another category. Lies that Satan wants us to believe about sin. Oh, this is so important. This is so important. First of all, lie number four. This is, we're talking about seven lies of the enemy. Lie number four. Nothing will happen to you if you sin. Oh, this is one of his biggest, oldest lies. It's, it goes clear back to the Garden of Eden. Nothing's going to happen to you. This is where he started off with Eve. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Nothing's going to happen. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, this is such a lie. If you sin, there won't be any consequences. He'll tell us we can commit sexual sin, 
or we can lie, or we can steal, or we can harbor unforgiveness. He'll, he'll say, you know what? If you do it just once, nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. Such a lie. And yet God warns us again and again, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Proverbs 11.29, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. You know, every one of us has sinned and we deserve death. Both physical and eternal. Yet God is so merciful. He is so kind that when we believe in Jesus, He delivers us out of spiritual death. He gives us eternal life. And He fills us with His Holy Spirit. And He gives us the power to overcome sin. But He still says, if we sin, there are consequences. And I just think... So many times God is so merciful, He doesn't bring the consequences into our lives that we deserve. So often, He is just so merciful to us. But we don't want to presume on God. And when believers continue willfully in sin, sometimes even when we do something once, we could suffer terrible consequences. Marriages suffer. Families suffer. Churches suffer. Individuals suffer. Now, God is so loving that so often we don't get what we deserve. Even as believers. But we don't want to presume on God. He loves us so much that sometimes He will discipline us. It's not necessarily punishment, but He will discipline us because He loves us so much. So don't believe the lie of the enemy that nothing's going to happen if you sin. Nobody's going to know about it. Oh man, when I was a teenager, and for you teenagers, I just want to appeal to you. This is one of the biggest lies He will say to you. When I was a teenager, the thought would come into my mind, nobody's going to know if I do this. Ah, oh, That's just a lie of the enemy. Okay, that's lie number four. Nothing will happen to you if you sin. Here's lie number five. Sin will satisfy you. Sin, sin. You know, we, we wouldn't commit sins if we didn't think it was going to be fun or enjoyable or something. He lies to us. He says, this, this is going to make you feel good if you do this. You're going to enjoy this. Sin will satisfy you. You know, it's, go back to the garden. It says in Genesis 3.6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. She looked at the, tre she looked at the tree. She looked at the fruit. She said, oh boy. That looks like that's going to really taste good. That's gonna, and that's going to give me some kind of incredible wisdom. That's the lie of the enemy. Sin may satisfy us, satisfy us temporarily, but in the end, it leaves us unsatisfied and unhappy. 
So you got to remember that. We have to remember this to combat this lie of the enemy. We have to remember this. Oh, and again, I just want to appeal to you young, young men and women here. This is such a lie that he, he, he still does to all of us, does to me. But when I was a teenager, this was one of his big lies. Oh, this is, you're going to love doing this. It's going to be, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a blast doing this. We've got to remember that it might give us a little, some sort of satisfaction temporarily, but it's not going to last. And so we need to remember this. The only one who can satisfy us is Jesus. The only one who can satisfy our desires is God Himself. And so Psalm 16, 5 and 6 says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The Lord is our inheritance. The Lord is our beautiful inheritance. The Lord is our chosen portion and cup. He will bring you satisfaction if you obey Him and look to Him and fellowship with Him. Sin will never do it. Okay, there's two more we're going to look at. Lies Satan wants us to believe about ourselves. Okay? Lie number six. Your sins have wrecked your relationship with God. We can, we can feel like that. We can feel like that when we blow it. We can feel like, oh, how can I come to God? I've just messed up so bad. Satan will say, yeah, that's right. You're worthless. You're no good. Well, God calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. This is so important to remember. And Revelation 12.10 says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. See, Satan accuses us day and night. He reminds us of our sins and our failures. He wants us to focus on our sins and failures rather than on our Savior. Satan wants us to forget the incredible truth that Jesus paid for every single one of our sins. Well, I can remember... This, this verse, this next verse I'm going to read, how, I can remember how I had to fight for that when I was a young Christian. I still do sometimes. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was condemned in our place. Jesus was, He took our condemnation. He took our sins. He took the judgment of God, the condemnation of God that we deserved so that we would now have no condemnation. And I can remember as, as a young believer, I, I can't even remember what it was that I did, but the accuser of the brethren was beating me down with it. I think I lied or something. And I, I felt so guilty. And I had to grab onto this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'd say, Lord Jesus, thank You. There is now no condemnation for me and You. 
And I'd start to feel good and then Satan would just remind me again and I'd feel condemned again. And I can remember just having to cling to this verse. No, there is now no condemnation. Lord, I believe that even though I feel condemned. You need to believe God's Word, not the lies of the enemy. And so Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the One who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is indeed who indeed is interceding for us. It's like, it's like a courtroom. Satan's a prosecuting attorney. He is accusing us day and night. Your Honor, I just want to point out that this person over here lied to this person at work yesterday. And when he accuses us, we're guilty. We did it. But Jesus says, Objection! Your Honor, I paid for that sin with my blood. And the judge, objection sustained, sit down. Prosecuting attorney stands up. Your Honor, I just want to point out that this person over here has not spent any time in your word for two weeks. Objection! I paid for everything he has ever done with my blood. Objection sustained. Sit down. Well, I just want to point out, he, this, this person got angry with his children yesterday. Objection. I paid for that sin too with my blood. Objection sustained. Sit down. See, that's, that's who Jesus is. He is interceding for us. He is at the right hand of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We have a Savior who intercedes for us day and night. There is no condemnation for us. So if He can't can't get us to believe that, then He'll tell us lie number seven. You'll never change. You will never change. You're stuck in your sins. You can't overcome that sin. You're hopeless. But God's Word tells us that we will change, we can change, and we will change. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We who believe in Jesus Christ have been set free from the power of sin. We don't have to sin. I remember one time in my life I just felt like I had to sin. I couldn't stop. And then when I read these, this verse, I would recommend read Romans chapter 6 as well. But this verse, Romans 8-2, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin. That changed my life. Hey, wait a minute. I, I don't have to sin. I might feel like I have to, but I'm free from its power. It's kind of like this. Imagine, suppose you were in prison and there was this terrible guard and he was really abusive to you and all the other prisoners. And when this guard saw you walking through the yard, he'd say, get over here! And you'd have to get over there and you'd, you'd be trembling. And he did that to you all the time. And you, you were just a slave to this prison guard. But then one day, the governor pardons you. One day, governors can do this. He grants you forgiveness and commutes your sentence. You are free. 
And they come into the prison and they tell you that. I'm free. The governor has pardoned me. And so you're walking toward the front gate of the prison and all of a sudden this guard sees you and says, Hey! Altrogi! Get back over here! And every feeling in me, because this has been happening for years, I feel like I have to do it. I feel like I have to go back. And then suddenly, I remember, wait a a minute. I've been pardoned. I don't know. Sorry, buddy. I don't have to come back. He might yell and yell, and everything in me might feel like I've got to do it because I've had to do it for years. Well, that's the way it is with sin. You know, we might feel like, hey, I did this for years and years. I can't stop. But we can because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We are no longer slaves of sin. We have to remember when Satan condemns us. Now wait a minute. I've been pardoned. God's going to do a good work in us. We will change. I, I have used this verse so many times with people to encourage them. Philippians 1.6 Paul says this, And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When we turn to Jesus Christ, He begins a good work in us. He begins a good work of transforming us into His own likeness. Making us more and more like Him. Paul said this. Paul said this to the Philippians who were not perfected yet. They weren't perfect Christians. They they weren't all completely in the image of Christ. But Paul says this, I am confident, I am sure of this. That He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I just have tried to encourage people at times over the years saying, you know what? If you keep following Jesus, He will make you more and more and more like Himself. And if you come back and see me in five years, you will tell me how much He has changed you and helped you in those five years. Because Jesus Christ loves you and God began a good work in you. And the good work that God began in you is the work of transforming you into the likeness of His Son. So don't believe the lies of the enemy that you will never change. So I'm going to tell you now just how to combat Satan's lies. Okay, these We heard the lies. Heard seven lies. Here's Here's some quick ways. Uh, obviously, these uh, are quick points, but they're not necessarily quick ways. But here's how we combat the lies of the enemy. Number one, read God's Word and pray. Fellowship with the Lord. Ephesians 6, 16-18 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. We get faith by reading God's Word. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Those are the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy are flaming darts. We have to hold it up. Live flaming dart. You'll never change. Hold up the shield of faith. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Praying 
at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. We pray. Remember, remember how Jesus countered the lies of the enemy? Every time Satan, when, when he was tempted in, the, in, the, in, the, in Scripture when it says that Satan tempted him three significant times, each, each time Jesus said, it is written. See, He took up the sword of the Spirit. It is written. And so, if Satan says, you're condemned, your sins have messed you up, you're a loser, you just say, it is written, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need to be in God's Word and praying. Number two, realize, realize there is a tempter who is out to destroy you. And again, I would appeal to you, young men and women especially, but all of us, we all need, we never want to forget this. Realize there is a tempter who's out to destroy you. And so 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be on your guard. He's going to bring temptations to you. He's going to bring tempting thoughts. He's going to bring tempting situations. Be on your guard. He's prowling around. Now, our God is infinitely greater than Him, but we have to still be on our guard. I, before I was married, I lived for six months in Philadelphia in the basement of a cockroach-infested apartment building. And it was a pretty crummy place. Um, I was kind of in the corner. And uh, I came home one day, walked into my kind of crummy apartment, walked into the living room, and ah! all of a sudden on the couch is this huge cat. And it snarled at me and scared the wits out of me and went bolting out of my apartment. And I said, oh gosh, how did that thing get in here? I had no idea. It, it's, it was big. I don't know if feral would describe it or not, but it was scary. So then the next day, when I was getting ready to go out, I had a door, and then I had a sort of a door with slats in it in front of that that I could look and I could see down through the slats. I, next day I was going to go to my job. I, I opened the door and I happened to look down through the slats and there's the cat right there waiting to run into my apartment. Oh gosh, this huge gray mass of fur sitting there waiting just to bolt in. But I, I saw it fortunately. And so then I was able to scare it off. And, and so from then on, I became aware. I was more aware of when I was leaving and when I was going. And that, that has reminded me at, the, at times of how the devil is like that. He is just waiting to do something to me if he can. So i got to be on my guard. So realize there's a tempter. Number three, fear the Lord. Proverbs 3.7, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away. Turn away from evil. See, here, here's the thing. Are we going to be wise in our own eyes? Are we going to think, oh, I'm strong enough, I can endure this temptation. No. Fear the Lord. Turn away 
from evil. Don't expose yourself to temptation. And I, I've said this before, but I remember hearing as a young man, I heard a pastor say, stay out of the car in the park in the dark. Flee temptation. Stay out of the car in the park in the dark. Flee temptation. Don't subject yourself. Don't think, well, I can kind of just get this close and nothing's going to happen. Flee temptation. It doesn't say flirt with temptation. It says get out of there. Run away from it. Flee. It's not real hard to understand. And then, well, that's actually I got ahead of myself. That's number four, but that, that has to do with fear of the Lord, so I could combine these points anyway. So flee temptation. Fear the Lord and flee temptation. Number four. This is how we fight the lies of the enemy. Flee, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So it says flee! Flee! 2 Timothy 2.22 says, so flee youthful passions. Paul's talking to a young pastor, Timothy. And he's saying, flee these passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Run. Run away from it. I heard another man say as a young Christian, this helped me too. This, this guy said, whenever I'm tempted sexually, I, I put on my tennis shoes and I go out and I, I go to a track and I just start running around the track. And he said, I do that because a good run is better than a bad fall. So flee. This guy, this guy took it literally. He fleed physically. We can't always do that, but we can, we can flee. So, just in conclusion, remember, Satan will lie to us about God. He'll lie to us about sin. And he'll lie about ourselves. And we need to fight those lies with God's Word, with prayer, by fleeing, and... Um, just fellowshipping with the Lord. So let's stand. Let's pray. Let's have the band come up. Lord, we thank You that You love us so much. Thank You, Jesus, that You died for every single one of our sins and that there is now no condemnation we thank You that You are faithful. You are a faithful God. You will answer our prayers. You will not fail to keep a single one of Your promises. We just thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your faithfulness to us all through our lives. Lord, You have been faithful. You have been good. And Lord, we just pray that You would give us a greater love for Your Word. Give us, uh, help us to delight in Your Word. Help, help Your words to become the delight of our heart, Lord. Help us to remember that, Jesus, You alone can satisfy us. You are our portion, Lord. And we thank You and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.